What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Panko Chicken. The new Atlanta restaurant thrives off of a unique spin on Japanese and Western cuisine and is already racking up the awards, winning best-selling taste in the Taste of Atlanta Awards both in 2017 and 2018. So if you're in the metro Atlanta area and are wanting to try something new and good and delicious, Go to Panko Chicken today and tell them that I sent you over. You'll be glad you did, I promise. Panko Chicken, where eats meets West. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, welcome to a Tuesday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. First up. On tonight's episode, a first-time guest, Mandy Bell of MLB.com, where she covers the Cleveland Indians. Mandy, good evening. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I am good. Uh, how does the Mandy-Amanda thing work? Because I feel like a lot of people just go with Amanda, but you're someone who goes Mandy. I am, yeah. My my mom had that planned for me from day one. She was a uh, went through student teaching during college, and she had a student in her class that had the Amanda-Mandy thing. That was her favorite student, and it ended up being my name. So took that on for myself. So whoever that third grade student was out there, that's who I'm named after. So you never met her? No. No. The lineage, nope. you just have no idea. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All credit um, to but, her, though. Yeah, there you go. It worked out. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's, it works. Uh, so... The Indians are a team that I am very fascinated by this offseason. They've kind of quieted down a little bit. The most recent report is basically like the longer the offseason goes on, the less likely Corey Kluber is going to get traded, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we have to start with um, everyone's favorite um, social media icon and very media-friendly starting pitcher Trevor Bauer and then uh, Corey Kluber, two starting Mm -hmm. pitchers who are very good for the Cleveland Indians, who the Indians do not uh, want because maybe they're just a little too close to 30. And Cleveland now has a very strict no players over the age of 30 years old on their <laughs> roster rule. So it's it's a lot to take in right now. Yeah, they've definitely trended in, into the younger age group uh, for this for this roster this year. But everything has been basically surrounded by trying to cut down their payroll. The last few years have been record payrolls and they said from the get-go of the beginning of the offseason that they're going to be cutting that down um the path that they were on they've said uh was unsustainable and they just they couldn't obviously keep all of the the players that they lost to free agency over over the offseason and uh i think that's where where everything started with the kluber and bauer rumors from the beginning of the year now the indians did say that they would be listening to offers because how couldn't you with the with the talent level that you have in both Kluber and Bauer? Um, but not they didn't necessarily want to dish these guys away. They did, they they will listen. And uh, both the president of baseball operations, Chris Antonetti, and 
their general manager, Mike Chernoff, have both said multiple times, like, our goal isn't to get rid of these guys, but their job is to listen to everything going on. So um, obviously with their talent level, there's been a lot of calls over the offseason. But as you can see so far, nothing has been match made in heaven for them to be able to make a deal with any other teams. I know that the phones have been ringing off the hook this year, they said. Um, but it just, they haven't found that perfect match. And if they are able to keep both of these guys, which it looks like they will, the closer we get to spring training and opening day, I mean, that, that rotation is one of the best in the league. So you don't think they're making calls to other teams. It's more of like, they're just getting calls because teams kind of know that they're pseudo available. That That's the impression that they've given us so far. Um, obviously it could go either way. Um, but it, it didn't seem like their mission this, this off season was to go out and try to find the perfect match for, for Kluber or Bauer. They basically are, are listening to any offer that any team um, would want to pitch, but um, it's, it seems at this point um, what they've relayed to us at least is that the phones have been ringing off the hook uh, to check in on, on both of their, their top starters. Um, and like I said, it, nothing's happened thus far. Do you think they're at a disadvantage at all because of just the way the free agency uh, just landscape has unfolded this winter that uh, Dallas Keuchel still out there and there's still other teams waiting to see um, what's going to happen on that front and just kind of wait and buy their time and like that they call the Indians as like a last resort of like okay all the free agent starting pitchers that we could sign are gone we have to do something and that's when they start getting serious uh, with Cleveland about either acquiring Trevor Bauer or Corey Kluber do you think like once um, everybody is gobbled up that um, there is more incentive uh, for Cleveland to kind of uh, make a move and take some of these offers a little bit more seriously. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see like the angle you're coming from. I mean, obviously we can see how, how slow uh, this, this off season is, or I should say how, how extended it's becoming um, with guys like Manny Machado and Bryce Harper still out there um, at this point. And we're what a week away from pitchers and catchers reporting. So not great. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy to see how how much this is going to get extended at this point. But um, that being said, do I think that that's going to end up happening where guys start getting gobbled up and then there's more of a press for Kluber or Bauer? I I really don't think so at this point. Okay. Um, it seems like it's the the closer that they're going to be getting to spring training and opening day that Kluber and Bauer will be staying with the Indians. Um, but again, if if the another team has their eyes on a free agent who they don't end up landing and they go into panic mode and say, we we want to try to get a, a top level talent and they pitch something that the Indians like, I, it's not going to they're not going to say no if it's something that is perfect for them. But if you're going to try to deal away one of these top two guys with the talent level that they have, um, you're going to need to make sure that you get the appropriate package in return. And, and that's that's something that the Indians clearly have shown that that they're going to make sure that they get what they deserve. I feel like we're a month and a half away from like Trevor Bauer getting traded to the Braves for three of their starting pitchers. And they're uh, like one of two of the minor league guys that they like Soroka. I could see him being a Cleveland ace in a couple of years, which would pain me a lot. Cause I like Soroka <laughs> a lot, but I could see that kind of deal with the Indians like, Oh, see, we can go cheap and still be pretty good. We can trade for like, they would probably take Tehran or they'd probably go like Tehran and right. And something else for Bauer or Kluber. I don't think 
they would give up Kluber. Kluber just doesn't make any sense because the Indians are still going to win the AL Central this year. Like, barring Manny Machado going to the White Sox or something, mm-hmm. the Twins just I, getting back to where they were two years ago. Like, this is still a team that um, is going to just have a cakewalk to winning the AL Central again. Um, but at the same time, you just don't... Like, it makes no sense to trade Corey Kluber now. But then again, like... Um, Trevor Bauer, that makes a little more sense. Like, if you can sell high on Trevor Bauer, I'd probably do that. And also, like, we can we really underrate just not having Trevor Bauer around every day? That seems nice. <laughs> well, I don't think, in, in the perspective of having uh, their their top five starters, they would think that that would be nice. At, at least at this point, having him on the team, yes, he he does have his whatever his rumors that come with him and anything that. Uh, Ex- have you spoken outside to him of the baseball field. Um, not too much um, at this point, just because I just took the job about a month ago. So mm-hmm. I haven't really been able to um, connect too, too, too much with some players. Uh, they had their, their fan fest, which is tribe fest here in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And so I was able to go to that and meet a couple of the guys, but that's a, an action packed weekend. So it, it's hard to get around. So no, I haven't been able to talk to too many people yet, but well, he seems but yeah, great. Yeah, I'm excited to get down. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's, yeah, he yeah. seems like he's a, a a character, and it's it's he seems like he'd be entertaining to work with, and uh, it seems like he's very like has a good personality and like very funny. So that's the type of personality that I mesh well with. So it seems like um, it should be an entertaining and fun year. Okay, do you think the team is surprised that Michael Brantley uh, went to Houston? Uh, you're saying like Houston specifically, or uh, is that what you're referring to? Yeah, with him leaving, uh, yeah. I think just because he was a linchpin, and obviously health was always an issue with him, but him just leaving and then right. going to another AL contender, do you think that surprised them at all, or do you think they really miss not having him around now? Oh, I definitely think that they're going to miss him. Um, seeing someone who's been on the team that long um, and be such a leader in that clubhouse, losing any guy like that is going to be difficult and they're going to miss him. I know that they've mentioned multiple times um, how difficult this year is going to be in that regard, but they're trying not to look in that direction. I guess as a team, I mean, if you're going to start looking forward, you start looking for those new leaders to step up. So yes, that they will be missing him a little bit, but I know Francisco Lindor was someone who's close with, with Brantley and um, I'm sure that he's taken some mental notes of, of how Brantley led that clubhouse as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see someone like him stepping up and, and, and fill those types of shoes. Um, as far as going to, to Houston, I don't, I don't know if they can necessarily say that they were surprised with any team at this point. They knew that they couldn't bring him back. Um, they knew that they Why weren't going to be done. Cause it wasn't like he signed for a lot. It wasn't like the Astros broke the bank for Michael Brantley. Right. And I, I think that they were just basically their their focus this year, which they said from the beginning of the off season, was to try to take um their payroll, cut it down as much as they could. Uh, I think they're aiming for like around hundred and twenty million um this year for opening day payroll and they wanted to cut that out. If they would have kept every uh free agent and even just a half of them, their their payroll would have been off the charts and another mm-hmm. record breaking year and they just they can't financially be able to sustain sustain that um but they their their goal was to try to get as much young talent and with young talent comes team control so if you can get cost controlled talent um obviously that makes it a little bit easier on the budget so their 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 mindset from the beginning of the year was to infuse young talent into this roster and in that regard they've 
they've successfully done so. Well, you brought up Lindor um, <clears throat> in his relationship with Brantley. I did not know those two were close, but it is interesting that he's gone. And I'm sure you're aware of um, Chris Antonetti, who definitely mm-hmm. should not be talking publicly about uh, players uh, who are very good at baseball on their team right now. Um, he said some things, uh, maybe, maybe just, I got to be careful here. It seemed like he was calling out uh, Francisco Lindor and uh, not wanting to pay someone um, like Lindor, uh, the team's best player. Let me check my notes here. Yeah, Francisco Lindor, MVP player. Um <laughs> Chris Antonetti, not fully on board uh, with him as a leader and everything else. So when you were talking about leadership that he learned from Brantley, I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I got some bad news because they just let Brantley go and is Lindor the next one out. He's not close to 30 yet, but um, not great. Like, what did you make of the Chris Antonetti uh, comments about, may or may not, the veiled shots at Francisco Lindor? Yeah, I I saw that online, but it's tough to get a read on what anything means whenever you're just reading it on a computer screen. If if I was there, I would have been able to have a better understanding of of what he was trying to portray with his comments. But because I wasn't, I'm not really sure. Um, Obviously, the Indians have their own personal goals with with every single season and their thinking future at this point to try to make sure that their team is as set as possible. So whatever they have in line, they have in line. But uh, because I wasn't there, I'm not exactly sure what he meant by that. And I probably shouldn't speculate at this point what, what those comments mean. Don't get in trouble, Mandy. I'm not going to try and get you in trouble, but I am free <laughs> to speculate rampantly on this podcast. So I'm going to do that. And I'm also going to read his quote because I think we need to add some context to this. He said, there are a variety of factors that go into those types of decisions to offer a player an extension. Uh, Most importantly, we recognize that we are making a long-term commitment. So we want to be sure that we are betting on the right type of person that will positively contribute on the field and in our clubhouse. Beyond that, for a team and player to reach an agreement on a multi-year contract, both parties need to be motivated by the desire to make something work and find common ground. Without that desire, talks never progress. The reason that people were assuming he's talking about Lindor is because they've been trying to lock up Lindor long-term since like 2017, and it just hasn't happened yet. Um, it's uh, it's not great. I, I, It seems like there's no way he's not talking about Francisco Lindor there. Yeah, I mean, if you see all the headlines uh, online, too, I mean, everyone's starting to, to say and assume that it is Francisco Lindor, and it, it, it very well could be that who he's referring to there, because they ha- there have been um, extension talks um, for a while now. I mean, on Twitter, I always have people keep tweeting at me every time I do an inbox and like mailbags every single week asking if well, are are they going to be able to sign him to a long-term deal? And um, so this is this has been a topic for a while, and uh, it seems like it it could be. But again, he's also saying that they just want to make sure whenever they're doing these things. And it's the same way whenever he said before, oh goodness, it was a, a couple weeks ago. He he made a comment saying like, if we're a contender around the trade deadline, then expect us to be active. And people got upset about that, saying if we're a contender, are you expecting us not to be that type of deal? But whenever you're in those types of positions, you can't always just speak matter of fact, because whenever there's other teams around and different things like that, you can't just walk around assuming you're going to be winning and and making those comments like that, because then you'll still get backlash saying, oh, they're just expecting to win. They're expecting that they're the best team and all this stuff. So uh, he could just be talking just to make sure that he's saving his back as well, just to say, like, we just want to make sure that everything's right before we commit to somebody. But 
Um, I'm not sure. I can't, I can't speculate too much just because I, I wasn't the one who had the conversation with him. So I don't, I don't know the tone that he had or, or what, he, where that was leading. That's fair. Um, context matters. Very good journalism, uh, Mandy. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. But I will <laughs> say that, uh, that's what he did. And Chris Andinetti, if you want to sign this guy to a long-term contract, maybe don't take veiled shots at, uh, in public. Maybe don't do that. <laughs> maybe just keep those to yourself. Um, cause Francisco Lindor is very important to, um, you being a contender at the deadline this year. So you might want to make that guy happy. Um, cause you want him around long-term because Francisco Lindor <laughs> is very good at baseball. Um, so you wrote about Billy, Br- or why am I saying Billy Bradley? There's another Billy Bradley, Bobby Bradley, just a different Bobby kind Bradley. of very baseball name, very capital B, very baseball name. Uh, oh, I think he, it's great. <laughs> he is um, the the Indians now. I think Keith Law have the Indians as the 11th ranked farm system, so they had to give up a lot in the last couple of years to be as good as they mm-hmm. were, and a lot of guys came up, so their farm system took a natural hit, but. They're reloading, and it's kind of underrated at this point. But Bradley seems like the highlight. What do you uh, see in Bradley, and why did you? Uh, why do you think that Indians fans and just baseball fans in general need to keep it on him at first base this year? Uh, I think he's going to be a fun one to watch. Um, he's proven his his power statistics alone speak for themselves. Um, it just it, it people always say that they enjoyed wa- watching games where there's a lot of home runs and and a lot of runs scored, and it's the the <laughs> the love of the defensive style games, the pitcher's duels that I always love, those are starting to go out the window a little bit more. And I think that this guy matches um, that trend. I think he's, I mean, I think what it was it two years ago now um, he had like 102 RBIs um, and at single a and, and he has the last four seasons has had at least 20 homers every single year. So he's, he's proven himself to be, an enormous power hitter in the minor league system. And could that translate at the major league level? I'm sure we'll see at least in the next year or two, um, eventually whenever he gets, gets the official call up there. Um, he definitely needs to, to work on the lowering the strikeout rate a little bit to be able to get that official call. But I think during spring training, he could be a fun one to keep an eye on late, later in the innings in those games for fans to be able to see some long balls during the spring. So they've created their new Jim Tome is what it sounds like. Exactly. Let's let's, let's go with that. How's that? <laughs> Perfect. I mean, that's enough to get Indians fans excited. Um, Jim Tome back in the bigs. Uh, <laughs> I am here for it. He's going to have some big competition with Alonzo in New York, though. Like those two coming in at first and um, just hitting a bunch of home runs and striking out a ton and um, being interesting on good to average teams. You know, I'm, I'm here for right. it. We'll, we'll see okay. what happens. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you got. W- w- did you start before or after they traded Jan Gums? After. Okay. Um, do you think My that's something this team? My first day was the team... winter meetings. Okay. Are you? Do you get the impression that this team is worried at all about the catcher spot because they have a guy now who I believe was a first round pick years ago, um, but really flamed out and did not uh, work out. Where in the in New York and everything else, but. That is uh, their current catcher situation. Do you think they're at all nervous about that spot with Jan Gomes, who's been a fixture there uh, for years now, not being in the fold? After Gomes was traded, they definitely realized that there was a lack of depth um, at the catcher position. So I I think at that point they were a little bit, I don't know if nervous is the right word, but they knew that there was an area to address um, in their roster. And so now that they have Kevin Kalecki, who they just signed... Yes, now that they have him that they just signed uh, last month, 
uh, I think that that, that helps uh, at least give some reassurance. It gives an, another player who has major league experience because it, before that it was just Roberto Perez and then Eric Haas, who um, just got his first taste of the majors at the September call-up last year. So that doesn't quite have the major league experience and maybe the comfort behind the plate that the, that the Indians would want to have heading into the season. Um, but this, uh, this at least gives them a little bit more depth and a, a guy who has proven himself pretty solid behind the plate. Yeah, it's just going to be kind of weird. And that's just one of those, it's like they're, they do this like once a year now where they just trade a really good player. Um, who's not super old, but he was 31, so he had to go, obviously, in Cleveland. But he um, <laughs> was really good for them, and they're just like, no, we're gonna we're gonna see what happens with the guy who's batting like 200 last year in New York, uh, Pilecki, who was a first round pick in 2012 out of Purdue. But um, we'll see if it works out. I mean, maybe they're really good at developing talent in Cleveland, so maybe that's what they're betting on is their player development. I mean, Jose Ramirez, we don't need to re- uh, rehash right. that, but just right. what they <laughs> turned him into is still very, very insane. If you read um, just what he came in as and what they turned him into and all that kind of stuff, so maybe we should mm-hmm. just trust Cleveland and Francona and those guys to be able to cultivate a new Jan Gomes and Mister Pilecki. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think the bullpen, which uh, was their strength just two years ago when they uh, made their World Series run against the Cubs, do you think this is a going to be an issue again this year or do you think that they have um solved it by trading for that marlins relief pitcher that uh his name is on the <laughs> tip of my tongue that i was it Wickgreen? yes nick Wickgren. that's uh, yeah. i think it's done the new andrew miller nick Wickgren. so mission accomplished cleveland's done this offseason i think they they've got it together now <laughs> Yes, uh, I don't know if I would say solved uh, as the as the, the the word to use there regarding their bullpen, but um, I think picking up uh, Oliver Perez was definitely uh, a big benefit for for the team. He he came in last year um, around June, and he was huge for them. He was one of their one of their most reliable arms out of the bullpen. To be able to have him back and provide not only just what he did for the team last year on the field, but to have that leadership and a veteran presence on a young team. Um, I think that'll be a big benefit for the bullpen now uh, to at least have him. They obviously have Brad Hand at the back end of the bullpen this year. His role will be a little bit more defined than what it was last year whenever he came over to the tribe uh, after the trade, right right at the trade deadline at the end of July. Um, Just because they had Cody Allen last year, things were a little bit, unassigned and so he had to bounce back and forth would he work the ninth would he be the setup man um so now that cody allen is no longer with the with the indians hand can now settle in as the team's closer um and he's obviously proven himself as one of the elite back end arms in the game so um i think that is at least going for the indians bullpen perez helps and then they have a number of of names returning this year. And yes, a lot of them had a little bit of unfortunate years last year. Um, it's definitely an area where fans and, and analysts and everyone are looking and saying, this could be a weakness of the team this year. But again, it, it's all up in the air. None of us know who could have a standout year. Could Neil Ramirez or Tyler Olsen or Adam Simber, or Dan Otero, or any of these guys come out and, and have standout years because I don't think anyone really expected the bullpen to be as shaky as what it was last year. So it could just, you know, be the complete opposite this year. We just aren't really sure, but it's definitely along with the outfield, two areas of this roster where it's like, uh, we'll see. 
Yeah. Um, last thing, and then we'll go. Uh, the outfield mm-hmm. is, uh, yeah. I would say, a huge question mark. It turns out uh, Clint Frazier would be nice to have right now as he gets healthy to rake and take Brett Gardner's job away after 37 years in left field for the Yankees. <laughs> um, it's a weird outfield. Like There are some teams where you look at the roster and you're like, I don't even know who a third... I mean, that's what happens when veterans no longer get signed and teams just invest in all of their young pieces that none of us have heard of yet. Um, <laughs> but this outfield in particular, just... I mean, you have not Joe Queen Phoenix and right field. You have uh, just a, a hodgepodge of guys that, like, I'm not sure about. But you have outlined on MLB.com, like, a lot of their different options. Greg Allen mm-hmm. might get in the fold. Like, what uh, do you make of this outfield situation minus Michael Brantley going into 2019? Yeah, it's a big question mark. They they lost all three of their starting outfielders. Um from if you look at the postseason roster last year, none of the three starting outfielders are, are back this year. So that's that's definitely a big question mark heading into 2019. You're not really sure what you're going to get at this point. Um, Naquin is coming back from um, and hip, a hip surgery, and, and it looks like he should be fine to go for the season. And how he recovers and, and everything and how he bounces back from that will be interesting to see. But I, I would expect him to be in, in right field. Uh, Leonis Martin gave the entire baseball world a scare last year whenever he had his life-threatening bacterial infection that he suffered last August and he said that he's 100% healthy again and he's ready to go so to see how he bounces back just physically in general getting back on a baseball field again after having such a scary moment happen in his personal life um, that'll be interesting and I think that he will be in center field um, and then I think left field will come down to Jordan Luplo, who the Indians got from the Pirates, and then Greg Allen will be uh, a contender for that as well. I think Allen has, has shown himself for the Indians, and Indians fans really seem to like him a lot. So I think it'll come down between the two of those and, and left field. Um, it's young, They're a young outfield, a uh, little bit inexperienced, but... Uh, Chris Ananetti has been saying uh, it, this is this is a, a team and a club where they want the young the young players to be able to have an a, a equal opportunity as everyone else, and they want them to play. And they're just hoping that all the players go after each opportunity that's presented to them. So I think that they're okay with what they have right now, and they feel confident in the roster that they have right now, as long as all of these younger players step up to the plate. So it'll be interesting to see how spring training unfolds. And how they they start to get a taste of it all. Is there a chance that Adam Jones is in this outfield rotation to start the year? I would think not. Um, Interesting. Okay. I I think I mean, in a perfect world, he would be a great presence for this mm-hmm. for this team. Uh, a lot of people, especially with the absence nothing. of Brantley, like he just makes so much sense. I penciled him at the beginning of winter, just like Adam Jones to Cleveland just makes too much sense to me. I, I mean it. In a perfect world, I think he would be a great person. People even keep asking about Melky Cabrera coming back, and I think he would be another good addition just because he's been with Cleveland and what he did for Cleveland last season when people weren't necessarily expecting him. And um, But again, when they're trying so hard to focus on, on making sure their payroll stays in the area that they're shooting for, um, I, I just think that a one-year deal for Adam Jones or whatever it may have end up being just might end up being a little bit too high, just given who he is. Um, it just might be a little bit out of their budget. And they've, they've also made comments so far that 
like major league talent wise, it looks like they're done um, on the free agent market. It looks like they'll probably be gearing more towards non-roster type of players whenever they're when they're out doing their final moves before the season starts. Get excited, Indian fans! There you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I just you love a team that's uh, looking to cut corners as much as humanly possible and still find a way to win the AL Central, and win ninety games. You have to love it, um, and they're going to do it again. Probably, they're just going to like yeah. hate w- their way into contending again. And uh, yeah, fun times. Um, yeah, at least they don't they've... have like a really stacked top of the AL to deal with, like uh, Houston and New York and Boston and teams like that. Thankfully, those. Uh, dynasties seem to be on the downer. Oh no, they're not. They're they're still around and still very good at baseball. So um, <laughs> that's uh, it's fun. Uh, we'll see. But either way, I'm fascinated by this team. Fascinated by what, how they wrap up this off season. But Mandy, I really do appreciate it. Is there anything we need to check out from you on MLB.com this week? We're recording this on a Tuesday night. Is there anything that you have coming out uh, that we should all read heading into uh, spring training? We just have a bunch of spring training like lead ups coming up this this upcoming week. Just things people to look out for. Um, just all answers to questions. Everything spring training. So starting tomorrow, every day there's going to be something up about uh, the tribe spring training this year. My my final inbox of last season will be up on Thursday. So try to answer all the final questions before pitchers and catchers report on Tuesday. All right, it's already here. Thankfully, NFL is over, so at least we don't have a huge gap between that and baseball. So um, I'm excited. It's good. Um, But you know what? Uh, Bad owners. How about you sign Manny Machado and Bryce Harper? How about you do that? Why is Dallas Keuchel still available? Why is Craig Kim? Actually, it's okay. Craig Kim is probably still okay because what he wants is probably pretty insane. But um, sign Manny Machado and Bryce Harper. They're very good at baseball and will help your team win games next year. I promise. It's crazy. It is so crazy to think that we're in February and it, and they're still out there. It's hard to believe. Are we sure they're getting signed? That is my question. What if they Goodness, just don't get signed point, all year? Yeah. Yeah, seriously, at this point, who knows? <laughs> just take the year off. Know. What a healthy yeah. CBA and a healthy <laughs> relationship between the agents and owners. Lovely times. Um, but that's another podcast. Mandy, I appreciate it. Um, let's talk in soon when the Indians uh, sign Adam Jones and we can rejoice as Jacobs Field moves up from, and I will keep calling it the Jake. I will not call it whatever progressive or whatever name it is now, but it's always the Jake. Uh, that's what I grew up with. That's what I remember them, uh, uh, their World Series with the Marlins. That's what, it, that's what it is. So it's the Jake. I'm sure um, a lot of Indians fans will resonate with that as well. That's what I'm trying to do on this podcast is resonate with the Indians fans that, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, always building bridges, not tearing them down. Mandy, thank you so much and uh, talk soon. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, we're back on the Chase Most Podcast late on a Tuesday. Levi Weaver, friend of the pod, athletic writer. He does the power rankings. It does all good stuff for the athletic and he's leaving for spring training in a couple days because it may be mid February, but it's, it's already spring. It was like 70 degrees in Atlanta today. So uh, spring is here. We skip winter. Um, and yeah, but either way, Levi Weaver is here. Levi, good evening. How are you? I am good. Good evening to you as well. We, we had definitely had winter here, but I took off my hoodie today and just it's like just a shirt so Mm. yeah it's basically spring now okay there you go no hoodie season it's over yeah 
Oh, well, I'm okay. It's going to be it. cold in Arizona, though. I, it always surprises me every year I get there. I'm like, ah, Arizona, where it'll be nice and warm. And that's not true. It's going to be very cold out there, I'm sure. Is spring training fun to cover at all? Is there any type of just interesting qualities to it, or is it just something like you have to? Because, like, I feel like NFL postseason, NBA postseason, or preseason, excuse me, are both so boring and just like feel like a gigantic waste of time. But I feel like MLB is different mm-hmm. in that, like, you get to go on vacation, kind of. Like, you have um, the Grapefruit League, and then you have the Cactus League, which I believe you're going to. But the Grapefruit League is somewhere yes. in Florida, so a lot of people who would not necessarily be able to go to Florida in February get an opportunity to do so. Um, you get to go to Arizona, which is everyone's favorite destination uh, across the country. It's going to spend yeah. a couple of weeks in Arizona. But um, yeah, I, I is it something you enjoy? Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Um, the, the, the first part is great. Like you go, you meet all the new players. Uh, everybody's kind of like not sick of each other. So you get good you know, human interest stories and you get to talk to people about their background and like, hey, I, like last year we told a story about... Uh, Oh, who was the reliever? Some reliever that had lived in a, um, Kevin Jepson had like lived in an RV for a while and he thought he was out of baseball. And like, those are fun stories to tell. And the end is interesting for the opposite reason. Everybody's stressed out. Like, are you, am I going to make the team? Am I, you know, am I going to get cut? Is this the end of my baseball career? You're trying to figure out who the fifth starter is and the last member of the bullpen. Like that's very stressful. But again, for somebody who covers a team, a lot of stuff to work with the middle part, just sucks there's nothing like everybody's kind of ready to start playing games Mm -hmm. or they're playing games that involve 55 different players per team don't even keep score because you're like what i'm like well i'm gonna write pete cosma's name in seven different positions like i'm not doing that so (laughs) it gets gets real tedious in the middle is it too long yes yeah but then again you know what it it needs to be longer now because guess what Players, good baseball players, don't get a full spring training anymore because baseball teams won't sign them. Right. Yeah. I was. That was part of what I was doing when I was getting ready for this. Um, was I? I just constructed, and I'm sure I could do a better job given more time. But in about five minutes, constructed an entire 25 man roster of free agents. Did you, and really, you know what? It was can you go through it right now, yeah, just was, to like? Uh, yeah. Let's let's go. Let's just show the listener just how insane it is okay. who's available at this point, mid-February. So, okay, so here's what I've got. I've got my catcher's Matt Wieters. Um, first base is Marwin Gonzalez. And I, I had him in about four different positions, actually, before I settled yeah. on first base. It was him or Logan Morrison, and I'm like, I think I, think I go with Marwin. Uh, second base, Josh Harrison. Shortstop, of course, Manny Machado. Um, third base, Mike Moustakas. God, I right field, another obvious one. Yeah, back right, to back years. Obvious one, Bryce Harper. I know what's going on. Like he's got to be able. He's to got get, the worst well, agent help. imaginable. <laughs> Who's advising Mike what, Moustakis? It's uh, uh, right field, Bryce Harper, obviously. Um, center field, I kind of went back and forth. I know Adam Jones has been declining pretty hard over the last couple of years, but he was still my favorite option in center field. Uh, left field, Cameron Maben, who was still worth about one and a half wins last year. DH, Evan Gaddis. Mm-hmm. And then for my bench, you know, take your pick of backup catchers. I went with AJ Ellis because it's because it's AJ Ellis, but it could be anybody. It could be Devin Mezzarocco. Like there are a lot of guys you could go with. Uh, utility infielder. I went with Jan Harris Solarte, who hit 15 home runs last year. His batting average wasn't super great, but he's a good utility guy. And then your fourth outfielder, which you could make the case that he should start, is Carlos Gonzalez of the Rockies, yeah. formerly of the Rockies. So there's your there's your offense. Uh, pitching staff, 
I went Dallas Keuchel one, Gio Gonzalez two, Irvin Santana three, Jeremy Hellickson four. You could probably flip any one of those. Brett Anderson fifth. Those could probably go in any order, three through five. Mm-hmm. Uh, bullpen, I've got Clay Buckholz as the long reliever. Uh, my middle relievers are Sergio Romo, Tyler Clifford, and John Axford. Left-handed one-out guy, my loogie is Jake Eekman. And then the setup guys, Tony Sipp, A.J. Ramos, and the closer, of course, Craig Kimbrell. So it's kind of an aging bullpen, but that's still, and you put that in the AL Central, and you've got a contender. You win the AL Central with that lineup. Probably. I mean, oh, for sure. I mean, you have Manny Machado Indian, and, and uh, Bryce Harper on your team, so you're in good shape there. But yeah, that Pete yeah, Sabbath is fine. I mean, I think the Indians maybe still give them a run for their money in Cleveland, but but yeah, I mean, it's it's close. So, God, that makes me think that the White Sox would win the AL Central if Manny Machado signed with Chicago. I mean, they might. I mean, the Indians are not trying to win the AL Central. I just recorded um, part one of this podcast with Mandy Bell. Um, She's still new to the Indians beat and everything, so um, it's a little bit different. But I've been very – I'm not a fan of what's going on in Cleveland. And then Chris Antonetti, I'm sure you saw what he said this week, um, taking bad shots at uh, Lindor. Oh, you did not know about this? No, I missed it. Okay, so let me read you what uh, Chris Antonetti said, um, the Indians president, about – um, may or may not have been directed at Francisco Lindor, a guy they've been trying to lock up to a long-term deal uh, since 2017. Um, he said this, there are a variety of factors that go into those types of decisions to offer a player uh, an extension. Most importantly, we recognize that we are making a long-term commitment, so we want to be sure that we are betting on the right type of person that will positively contribute on the field and in our clubhouse. Beyond that, for a team and player to reach an agreement on a multi-year contract, both parties need to be motivated by the desire to make something work and find common ground. Without that desire, talks never progress. Did, did he think that... Did he get Lindor confused with, like, Jose Reyes? I, I don't know. Or Addison Russell? Or, like, what... There's never... That I've heard, I've never heard anything about any off-the-field problems with Lindor. I've just heard nothing but good, like... He's the most fun dude to watch and a good guy. Also, Am why I are you pissing off your best player going into the new season? What are you doing? I have no idea. That's why. And the interesting thing is Mandy said that like him and Michael Brantley are actually pretty close. And Brantley obviously left for Houston this offseason, and he was like a big leader for that team, even though he was injured a lot. Um, Landor is getting ready to take over that kind of leadership role for this group. Um, because there's been so much turnover, their whole outfield's going to be different, all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. this is what the team president is saying about the team's best player when they're trying to extend him to a long-term contract. Like, what the hell? You know, that's not the only one that I've been confused by. Why have the Astros allowed Carlos Correa to go to arbitration two years in a row, an arbitration hearing? That's How can question. they not, like... Well, we're going to talk about another guy who went to arbitration hearing, which I am all the way here for. And I hope he stays a okay. Tampa Bay Ray for the rest of his career because Tommy Pham versus the Ray um, Bourgeoisies, uh, it's it's yeah. a fun thing. I, I very much enjoy it. Um, but yeah, back to um, Correa. Yeah, I, 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 that hasn't really gotten picked up that much. Like people aren't really talking about that one. And. So I'm I'm in the middle of writing a story about the arbitration process right now, and like I get to sit in with some of the agents and listen to them describe the process of the the hearings, um, and it just 
like the, the team's whole thing, they come in generally speaking and, and go, you know, this is nothing personal. It's all professional. And then they proceed to talk about how bad their player is and just point out every fault. And yeah. like, this is why he's only worth this much. And I'm sure that some of it is like, well, we love the guy, but he's asking for too much money. Like that could be part of it. Um, but I just, it's by all accounts has been a pretty fractious process across, you know, sport wide and maybe they're getting better at it now. I don't know, but everyone that I've heard that's been in one of the meetings is like, ugh, it's a bloodbath in there. Like you're just both sides just swinging for the fences and the players in there listening to the club, tell him why he's not as valuable as he thinks he should be. Yeah. And, they, and because they're young, they either take that as like motivation or they go the other way, like the Gordon Hayward way, sure. where it's like when they sure. let him go and test the waters and Charlotte signed to that offer sheet and he went back to Utah, but then he ultimately left because he never got over that. Um, it's a right. good way to piss off your and, best player. Yeah, and I just don't know why when you have somebody like a Carlos Correa in your in your organization – why you can't come to to an agreement. I mean, the, right. the difference in price, I, I wrote it down here, I'm trying to see. So Carlos Correa, he won, he won his hearing. Yep. Here's how much Carlos Correa, one of the best young shortstops in MVP the game. candidate. Yeah, he wanted $5 million. Mm-hmm. And the Astros said, no, you're only worth $4.25 million, <sighs> and we are willing to go to a hearing over $750,000 with one of the best shortstops in young shortstops in the game. Like, I, I don't get it. I don't get why a team would do that. I mean, the Rays do it just as like a thought exercise. I think, I think they get bored and I think they enjoy it. I think that's like their favorite thing. I think Tampa Bay baseball is built off, um, the arbitration process. I think that's what, the, oh, that's gonna, their Super Bowl. I, maybe, I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of teams that have gone now to, and I'm sure you've heard about this, like the file and trial uh, strategy yeah. where you know the deadline is in January and they go if we don't come to an agreement before the deadline that's it we submit our numbers and we're going to go to we're not talking to you between now and the trial we'll, we'll see you in court and I think the strategy there is to try to uh, incentivize the agent to negotiate in good faith right mm-hmm. to say okay look you you are getting my best offer here I'm not trying to take it down to the last minute I'm not trying to waste your time and make you get on a plane and come to the courthouse and then I give you my best offer so I kind of get that. But from the agent standpoint, I think their, their thought is that the teams are using that to intimidate them and go, you better take a worse deal at the last minute. Otherwise, we'll see you in court and you better hope that your player can withstand this barrage of, you know, criticism from his employers. So it's, it's wild. And a lot of teams are doing that now. Um, but I don't, I don't know, man. It's, I know that I sort of, I try not to have a bias. I, I know that I probably have a little bit of a, a labor bias over ownership and I do my best to maybe combat that and lean harder the other way when I'm writing things like this. But I, I just, for Carlos Correa, why would you over $750,000 do that? And, and honestly, the same for Tommy Pham. I mean, 3.5 and 4.1, like that's a $600,000 gap and that's a lot of money. I don't want to pretend that like that's not life-changing money for some people, but Tommy Pham was, I mean, I'm looking here, he's, we're three and a half wins, uh, according to baseball reference. Mm-hmm. I mean, 20 home runs, he hit 275. He's got an OPS of 830. Like, that's worth $4 million. Yeah. So, I don't get I it. I don't know. I mean, I guess when you have Austin Meadows waiting in the wings, it's like, do I really want to pay you that extra little bit? Um, 
Why pay you yeah. that when we can pay you less? I think that's the Tampa Bay Rays model. It's the it's the right. inverse of the New York Yankees. Um, who actually not even true for them anymore with their DJ LeMahieu well, over yeah. Manny Machado signings. A um, little bit different. Right. Yeah, so maybe they're not even true to that sentiment anymore. I just feel like you shouldn't, like with the Correas of the world, you don't do that. Like Chris Bryant, Correa, right. Seager, there are just certain guys you're like, we're not doing this. Whatever you want, we're locking you up right. long term. And then the the fringe guys are who you do that to, where you really need to get, right. like you're like, they're a C plus or like a B, something like that, where you're like, I don't know right. if this is real. I don't know where you stand. Like we like you, but we don't like you that much. But like it's clear, right. like or we all know like, who like the A's right. are you, and the guys you the stars that you don't negotiate and you do this with. But like, like you said, right. with the careers of the world, it's just it makes no sense. You don't do that with guys like that. So I could see if you have Alex Wood. So Alex Wood submitted nine point six five. The team came back eight point seven. That's almost a million dollars difference. And mm-hmm. I can see if you're the team going, like, ah, no, like this is all the further we're willing to go with you mm-hmm. and. And honestly, like if he gets nine six five, I could see him being a candidate to be traded. Um, or like so, Whit Merrifield, like I, the guy, like in Kansas City, we're like, I mean, come on, yeah. guy, like we like you, but yeah. uh, I, I, I don't know. Although he led the league in hits last year, so he's, I, I think he's sneaky good. He's sneaky good, but you know, somebody along the Kansas you know, City Royal Staple, sneaky to... good guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But yeah, just somebody like Correa, I don't, I don't get it. You don't, I don't know why they would do that. Because uh, baseball owners and front office groups are kind of kind of weird, I think we can say. And that's yeah. being nice. It's being generous, you know, calling it weird. I had something come up in my in my Twitter timeline, so I posted a photo of that uh, of the uh, roster that I just quoted to you, and just said, "Hey, you know, over under does this team go 500?" And somebody goes, "Are you advocating for expansion?" <laughs> and like. My cons- my conspiracy theorists, my flag went up. I'm like, what if that's what this is all about? What if there is collusion and the whole point is to drive expansion? I'm like, hey, you know what? You know what would really solve the problem of not enough players getting signed if we had two more teams? What if that's it? What if they're just trying to make more teams? God, I, I don't know. I feel like just I don't think so because with revenue sharing now, and just with the way this ownership group, like the current baseball collective is operating, mm-hmm. I don't think they're dying to split up more money between multiple owners. I don't think so. Yeah, you're probably right. And I actually don't think that's the case, but it was just, it made just enough sense in that moment to go, ooh, I wonder if that's their long game. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, Liberty Media is very happy flipping the Braves into uh, what they bought them for five years ago to what they're worth now and uh, turning them into a real estate asset, which um, is what every baseball team is trying to turn themselves into, this real estate magnet. If you have a baseball team right now, you're a fool not to sell it. And -hmm. if you have the money to buy a baseball team right now, I think you'd be stupid to pay the prices that they're worth right now. It just seems like... Unless you get owners that are sort of very, and I know this guy has his own problems, but hear me out. When Mark Cuban bought the Mavericks, mm-hmm. he had been a Mavericks fan from the time he was you know, in high school or younger. He bought the team because, not because he wanted to be a real estate magnate, but because he wanted to bring a championship to the Mavericks. Mm-hmm. Like that was the team he grew up watching. He wanted them to win and he didn't care. Like, he, would, he didn't he look at him as like an spend. asset to his portfolio. Right. He had enough other money. He's like, you know what? I want to win and I will spend the money needed to win. And I think it's going to take that like 
are we going to get a new generation of owners that genuinely wants to win or are we going to get a sport that just eats itself alive? And right now it's eating itself alive. Right now we've got owners that value profit and you know, taking advantage of the tax breaks, taxpayer money for the stadiums, just to build it up as a portfolio so that they can sell it for a ridiculous, obscene amount of profit. And, you know, if that's their goal, a few of them are going to do it. But I just think if, if that's everybody's goal, it, that, the, the fans are going to give up and the sport's going to eat itself. And you go with, you know, well, yeah, teams in the meantime, win the with like the, are... spending the least amount possible. The Indians and the Braves are both trying to do that right now. They both just won their division. Yeah. And are not doing anything. Like two guys that are like there's just God, it's annoying. They are talking about trading Trevor Bauer and Corey Kluber this offseason. Like, you're trying to go right. for it. You were in the World Series two years ago. They let Carlos Santana go. They're trying to trim payroll by a lot. Like that's And, and I, you're uh, in a division where you could like run away with the division and get home field advantage through the playoffs. Like the twins are not gonna beat you a bunch this year. Right. The Tigers the Tigers are gonna just hand you the game when you walk in the stadium. So like not only can you be going for it on a, you know, constructing a team that's good enough to compete, you could, you could have home field advantage. You could yeah. do that. I, I but don't it's like they're it. trying to back into the playoffs. Like, well, you know, we could also save a lot of money, still make the playoffs, get that That's what teams money. are trying to do. Like, that's the best case scenario yeah. for these owners. They want their GMs to be like, how do we spend the least amount while also pseudo contending for 10 years? The, the Pirates have just right. went through this, where like Neil Huntington, who I think is a good general manager, but that ownership group, pseudo contended for a long they never went all the way in like they were like ooh, 90 mm-hmm. games a couple years in a row we like this and then they're like oh we mm-hmm. might get back um we're not gonna go and do this we're not gonna go and do that chris archer's available for this price oh we can maybe do that a little bit that's not crazy for us and it will keep fans thinking that we're still trying it's just that's the new thing is like teams are trying to find ways to win while also not dipping their toes all mm-hmm. into the deep end which is just it, and so then both sides yeah. of, of the spectrum too, because you've got those teams that are contending are not paying the prices that they used to pay to contend. Right. And so the teams like I'm covering the Rangers, the Rangers are in the middle of a rebuild. All of a sudden they've got Cole Hamels. Granted, Hamels had a really tough first half of the season, but they traded him for Eddie Butler and Raleigh Lacey. Like <laughs> that's what Cole Hamels gets you now because teams are not going to like pay a bunch of prospects for the Cubs won't even meet with like Bryce Harper. Yeah. So it hurts the rebuilding teams too because they can't get the prospects in return that they used to get for their star players because nobody wants an overpaid star player anymore. And I mean, you have the contenders. I I mean, you have like the Yankees and the Indians. Like they're all top ten in farm systems right now. The Braves. Uh, Like if you look at all the best teams in baseball right now, most of them have have not had to just destroy their farm system to contend. Mm -hmm. That used to be the thing. It's like you can't have it both. And now right. teams are trying to have their cake and eat it too. And a lot of them, to their credit, are. Like the Astros still are. Like you just go up and down the list. They're like, well, this is why. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you defeat this. Like the Red Sox are eventually going to run out of their pipeline. But at the same time, like that's, I, I don't how know. Are you, we how sure? You defeat it is the fans, how you defeat it is the fans stop coming, stop watching, the TV ratings fall, the TV money falls, and all of a sudden owners go, oh no, what mm. have we done? But they're still I mean, reckoning that, that new TV money. They're still just, yeah, I don't think we're near that. It's, right. I don't think we are near it. Although these things tend to come in waves. Um, I think once it starts, it's going to be really difficult to reverse. What I hope is that baseball as a sport figures out ahead of time. And it's, you know, 
they're smart guys. They can project. They've got these, you know, they, they don't just have their analysts that are doing, you know, quantitative and uh, analytics on their players. They also have this to project their business holdings and, and hopefully they're smart enough to see like, this is not a healthy road that we are on sport wide. Like we have to see a bigger picture than just what's happening this year and next year. Um, I mean, I, and I, Hey, I could be wrong. Maybe there are enough millionaires in the world to fill up those luxury box seats and it doesn't matter if the rest of the stands are full and it doesn't matter if anybody watches TV. Maybe that's true. Maybe that, maybe that's enough. But it's I enough for Derek Jeter. He doesn't give a shit. That new ownership group does not care. They are they they're stripping it down. This leads us into JT Realmuto stuff. But like, they're fine. Like they're gonna make a lot of money mm-hmm. on this Marlins deal. Like that ownership group coming in when they did, they're tearing it all down. They got mm-hmm. the Yankees to pay almost all of Giancarlo Stanton's salary, all that kind of stuff. Like they moved off a bunch yeah. of money. They're gonna take it extremely slow. Doesn't matter if they're bad. They're like they changed their identity a little bit. I'm not a big fan of the new uniforms either. Um, but they're gonna turn that into a huge profit for them one day. Like they they are yeah. totally fine with the way they're operating. Is it gross business? Of course. Does it make a lot of sense for them? Of course. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. both things can be true. I I laughed so well. At first, I gasped, and then I laughed at the winter meetings. Uh, not the most recent winter meetings, but the winter meetings right after. Uh, Giancarlo went to the Yankees and he took the podium and he was basically like, Hey, you know, I love Marlins fans, but y'all probably had to watch from a distance for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's, that's a, uh, that's a bold thing to say when you know that all of the cameras in baseball, you, you're, you're the biggest thing happening at the winter meetings. Like everybody's camera is pointed at you and you're like, actually don't go to the games and don't watch because they suck. My was, theory on this um, with base uh, baseball is a little bit different just because there's so many games, but in basketball, there's the reason that tanking is fine and celebrated is it's a player driven league where fans mm-hmm. are, if you're a Reds fan, uh, I guess like you can't just like tune into Yankees games on Sunday night baseball and be fine and watch your favorite player. Baseball doesn't really work like that. Um, basketball, yeah. you can just be like, I'm a LeBron fan or like I'm a Sixers fan, but this tanking, it's awful, but we know what they're doing. It's fine. I'm still going to enjoy the mm-hmm. rest of the product and I can still be entertained by what the Warriors are doing and watch them on a Tuesday night. I don't have to watch my team be bad. I know they're going to be good in a couple years, maybe, hopefully, but I don't have to like invest yeah. my time. But like when you're a baseball fan, your team does that. It's just different because you can't tune into that other thing. It's because I think baseball is very regional. I think that's the difference between baseball fans and basketball fans and NFL fans is that like baseball in their own world, like fans, generally speaking, and if you even look at podcast data, like people prefer listening to their own team stuff. That's it. Like the Braves are big here, but I don't think across the country anymore because they're not on TBS and everything. It's different, but it's a regional thing where fans are just into their team and yeah, are not and, watching and think, national broadcasts on Sunday with Ernie Johnson or whoever it is. Like that's just not their right. not their thing. They're not going to do it. It still exists, but you're right. I mean, and I think probably part of the, there's a couple of reasons in my in my mind for that. One is that baseball does not do a great job of uh, marketing its elite athletes, and some of that is because Mike Trout was just like, "Hey, man, I just want to play baseball. Like, I mm-hmm. don't want to be." And he has the right to do that. That's fine. But baseball has. I, it feels unfair for me to say this because I don't know how they can fix it. Like I don't, I'm not a marketing guy. I don't have any solutions and I hate when people go, well, here's the problem. 
and you go, cool. Yeah, that's the problem. What's your solution there? Oh, mm-hmm. I'll just fix it. Like <laughs> that's what, that's exactly what I'm doing here. I don't think baseball does a good job of marketing its best players. And so what they do a good job of is that the MLB at bat app or MLB TV, like it's not cheap, but people who are baseball fans can They're buy that. And they can. Like, yeah. And you can watch all assuming it's not happening in your you know local regional blackout area. You can watch any team in baseball. And I, I found myself doing that before I took this full-time job. You know, I'd, I'd want to check in and see what Yasiel Puig was doing on the Dodgers. And I'd want to watch Kershaw pitch. Like, but do you think that's because Dodgers you're an MLB like fan and you're a writer? That's why you're doing that. Do you think the casual Detroit Tigers fan is hopping onto MLB TV and watching a, a Tuesday night Orioles game? I don't know. I, see, I, mean, I don't think I, they are. I think you're probably right. I don't think they are, but it's, but I don't know what the solution is. Um, I think the solution, so. it, it's kind of like NBA and TNT, like those Thursday nights, Tuesday nights, like they have to fix, I, I don't know, it, scheduling is just different because of series and all that kind of stuff in baseball, but like finding a way like, you know what, Monday's Mike Trout, Tuesday, Bryce Harper, Wednesday, Manny Machado, yeah, like that kind of thing where you like highlighted on all the big networks where like we have to make well, sure all of our stars are across the board. There's something other than something other than Yankees Red Sox on Sunday night. Right. Baseball. You have, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. But when you've got such a, a weird balance of, of parody right now, like, are you going to show, you know, Tigers Padres on a Sunday night? Like, probably not. Well, Nobody's hey, going to watch. AJ Preller so might have, have uh, JT Realmuto and Bryce Harper. So yeah, why wow. not? Right. Padres, Padres might be a bad example. They might be really good really soon, but, but you know what I mean? Like if you take some random team from, you know, that that nobody cares about that's going to lose 85 games. I mean, we could even use the Rangers. Like, is anybody going to watch the Rangers and the and the Tigers on a Sunday night? Not unless you're from Detroit or Texas. So how do you build up that marketing where you have players on even the bad teams that are, that are marketable? And I don't know, maybe you're right. Maybe it is that instead of it being Yankees, Red Sox, it's, you know, Harper, Machado, Trout, and... And maybe that's it. God. But there's um, got to be, there has to be a solution. And if it, if Chris Antonetti has his say, then definitely not Francisco Lindor. Right. right. <laughs> as long as it's not Lindor. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, you get those guys too. That, you know, I think the league has done a good job of, and like Aaron Judge. So Aaron Judge is this very easygoing dude with a big smile, hits a million home runs. Like, I think he's an example of where the league has done a reasonable job. They try and get him in front of a camera whenever they can. All you have to do is show him up close. You're like, this is a gigantic human being. That's why people are drawn to Aaron Judge. He looks insane in the batter's box every time you look at him. Yes, and he's super nice. Like, he's not what you would expect when you just look at a guy that looks like Aaron Judge who's enormous and kind of like, he could be really, really mean and dangerous. And then he starts talking, you're like, oh, he's he's cool. He's wearing a shirt from Sandlot. Like, he's (laughs) just a big kid. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, so there are examples where they've done it right, but it's just hard to find examples where that's not the Yankees or the Dodgers or the Red Sox. Yeah. I think, uh, Manfred should criticize Mike Trout's personality some more. I think that might, yeah, what that's does probably, it. That, that was super helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, but some actual baseball stuff, JT Realmuto, we've talked about him a little bit, still has mm-hmm. not been moved. It seemed like the Reds was on the verge of happening and then 
that's kind of subsided in recent days. And now the new talk is the team whose owner said he wants to spend, quote, stupid money this offseason and has yet to spend stupid money with uh, two great options to spend stupid money on still sitting out there. Um, Real Muto is coming into the fold, and this is a team that could use a catcher. This would make sense. Um, Their draft and developing plan has not gone well. Uh, that's one of the uh, caveats to building through the draft and doing this full teardown is uh, you have to actually develop those guys. And uh, the Phillies have struggled like the White Sox and other teams in developing all of these young assets they've acquired over the years post Ruben Amaro. And now they're trying to jumpstart it and all that kind of stuff with uh, veteran presences and like Aaron Nola's fun and all that kind of stuff. But ultimately they need more help. And mm-hmm. Real Muto makes a lot of sense for them because you know, it keeps him away from the Nationals who finally addressed their catcher situation uh, a season too late, which um, very pro Washington of them. But then again, they signed Jack McKeon, who you can read the story of how he uh, found himself back in Washington as an 88 year old man. Um, uh, <laughs> I believe Jason Stark wrote the piece that uh, I read this yeah. in the athletic MLB. So if you did not know that Jack McKeon was back in baseball, yes, that one who smokes the cigars now no longer smokes them. He actually chews them instead. Doesn't like them. Just chews cigars, which very old guy. I, I don't think I've read That's anything old more old do, on yeah. brand baseball guy. Um, I'm pretty sure Sparky Anderson did that in the 1920s. Um, but either way, it's, it's fascinating. And Real Muto kind of going to the Phillies and the Phillies changing course of like, we still think we're going to get Machado or Harper, but maybe we also flip some of our assets for Real Muto as well. Do you buy that Real Muto um, could be on his way to Philadelphia? It's possible. I mean, is Jorge Alfaro done or mm. is he just not as good? Like, He's he's always right there on the edge, isn't he? Like yeah. he always seems like he's just about to break through and be a star. I think because they do have Alfaro, I think they're not going to overpay for Real Muto. Real Muto, how are you? Say it really fast, man. It's almost impossible to say really fast. Real Muto. If I say Real it Muto. with a Spanish accent, it's fine. Okay. Yeti Real Muto. It's I can't super do easy, that, But then so I go back I'm to my normal accent to try and do that. <laughs> So, so they do have some leverage there um, because they've got Alfaro. And the Phillies are kind of, I was looking at their roster today, they're kind of right-handed. Um, so if they did, they got Nick Williams in right and Odubel Herrera in center field to hit left-handed. Cesar Hernandez is a switch hitter. Everybody else is right-handed and so is Real Muto. So maybe, I mean, if he's good, he's good. It doesn't really matter what side of the play he hits from. But I think if they're going to, make a big, big move, Bryce Harper makes more sense because, you know, is Nick Williams going to be a starter on a playoff team? I, not yet. It hasn't been yet. That's not to say he never will be, but it's a, certainly an upgrade to go from Williams to Harper. McCutcheon is, you know, projects to maybe be the starting left fielder. He's getting older. Who knows how his body's going to hold up? I think he would, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about McCutcheon to say for sure if he'd be better as a fourth outfielder, but Honestly, right now, like at this point, he was a fourth outfielder last year when he was getting moved around. But like, he's been a fourth outfielder the last like year and a half of his career since leaving Pittsburgh. So yeah, like that that makes sense. The if you're going to make a big move, like Bryce Harper makes the makes the most sense. Um, But I mean, you know, talent is talent, and and if the price drops, where the Marlins go, okay, well, the Reds are out, the Nationals are out, everybody's out, like. 
fine, we'll take the package that you offered. Well, then, yeah, do it. You can take advantage of it. It's it's all about the price. Yeah, um, and it's it's tough to see like what Derek Jeter and this group is really demanding at this point because it feels like he's been on the trade block for like a year now, and they haven't found something they're mm-hmm. looking for. Do they? Are they gaining leverage by keeping it going this long? Are they losing leverage? And teams are just like, you're vigilant enough to do this because you can't have this guy just dangling out in the trade market for years on end. Um, he's either part of your long-term plan or he's not. And um, right. I don't know. It's it's very weird that he's... It feels to me like a loss of leverage. Right, like It That's doesn't feel like with. they are... Like, because the longer they hold out, the more teams are going like, okay, fine, we'll sign somebody else. Like, sorry, man. Like, we would have loved to have done a deal with you. But we're not paying that ridiculous price. And so there are fewer suitors. And I mean, maybe wait another year and see if there are other teams that become suitors. But like, then you've got Ramuto on your team for a year knowing that you don't want him there. Yeah. And that's certainly not good for, I mean, not that a whole lot else is good for what's going on there, but that's, that would, you know, throw that on the list of things that are not good for a team. I think he ends when up in Cincinnati. Star player is not happy. I'm not you a think so? in Philly. Yeah. Cincinnati just seems like the most, they're a team that's getting the most antsy to me. Like that just feels like something that they, is very Cincinnati for them right now. They are trying to get out of their cellar. Big swings this off season. Yeah, you know, I mean, Sunny Gray, Puig, Sunny Gray. Yeah, so yeah, that makes sense. Like it, once once a team kind of gets into the swing of, I have a theory that once teams start trading, like it's the Jerry Depoto disease. Like mm-hmm. it, the the adrenaline of it becomes a little bit addictive, and you're like, you know what, I, that was awesome. Like I gotta gotta do another one. Um, it, it seems to me like the Reds kind of got into that a little bit this off season. Mm-hmm. So you might you might be onto something. Like if somebody's going to pull the trigger, maybe that maybe it is the Reds. I yeah. thought the Astros would be in. Like, why are the Astros not in? Because they don't need him. I mean, who's who's starting for them this year? It's uh, I mean, is, is it, who's the young guy that they've got? I thought he yeah. I don't um, know, I'm blanking. I'm blanking. On his name. So am I. Because they signed Robinson Chirinos. Uh huh. And then I was like, yeah, that's a great idea for a backup catcher. And all the Astros fans were like, uh, I hate to tell you this. They see him as the starter. Like, sure they're not. What? Um, guy, Jason yeah, Castro. <laughs> Castro's gone. Max Stassi is the, is the guy right. that's backing up Chirinos. Like, is, if you're the Astros and you've got a rotation of Verlander, Cole, McHugh, I mean, they signed Wade Miley, I guess, because uh, McCullers is going to be out. Also like, Dallas Keuchel. You're, you're yeah, Keiko's gone, but you're still kind of in go for it mode. You got Verlander Cole at the top of your rotation. I mean, you're still in go for it. The, the team is still there to compete. They just got Brantley. Do you go with Trinos as your starter? I don't. They feel like a so. midseason trade for a catcher to me, where they're like, we're going to see what we can get away with here, just with Bregman and Correa and Altuve and everything else, and then they do it. That seems like a more Astros thing. Yeah, to I me. guess so. I but guess so. Like, can we do and it? Maybe that's their right. Maybe that's their leverage. Like, make sure nothing goes wrong, and then hey, if he still hasn't been traded by July, we'll come come talk with you. And can you imagine the leverage at that point? <laughs> of course, the yeah. Astros would be the team to like uh, trade for Rimuto for like a ridiculously just lackluster right. haul like the most asterisk thing possible. Like, are you kidding me? This team, are we just going to extend this dynasty for the next 20 years? Like, what are we doing here, folks? Right. Um, We'll give you Chris Davinsky and a Coke machine. And Marlon's like, fine, fine. That's it. 
We're just done with it. Um, And then Derek Jeter will do a press conference of like, we played the long game. We got who we wanted. Uh, Lewis Brinson might be worth two wins this season. Who knows? We're making progress. Um, We're on our way. Uh, Yeah, not great. Um, Can we talk about Tommy Pham winning arbitration against the Tampa Bay Rays for a second? We did. Uh, Yeah, we we discussed it a little, but we didn't didn't go into it because he tweeted about it. And oh, did he? Yeah, I'm like so. Looking this up right now. I mean, I love it in that like the Rays have done some really shady stuff over the last couple of years, and like not paying low. Like the Corey Dickerson stuff is still one of the most insane things of like the last two years. Like they found this diamond in the rough. They're like, nope, we're good. <laughs> and immediately, like yeah. moved him and just wouldn't pay guys like that. I feel like you're not even paying him. Like, what are you doing? Like Chris Archer was still like they got a decent haul with Austin Meadows and guys like that, so maybe they'll be fine. But like Logan Morrison to CJ Crone and like just the way they operate, it just if you're a and fan then, of this team, you're like what are we somehow, doing? And somehow, like, and then somehow though, like their big you know rebuttal to that is, well, look at our record last year. Like, were we in the running for a wild card? Like, yes, fine, you were, but but yeah, I mean, I I I feel the same way like well i don't understand the i don't understand the strategy so did you see the tweet yeah i'm looking at i'm glad i got to see the true business side of the game now to focus on baseball hashtag analytics and hashtag analytics is incredible like you know he knew about like like you talked about with the the meetings where like they're really hard on players and like these teams are like why this guy isn't good and i'm sure the rays have like this entire amazing powerpoint presentation of why tommy fam is not worth the money he's asking for and tommy fam's just sitting in there like what the hell is going on right now um and you know what's yeah. you know what's wild is that they are not allowed this is so the collective bargaining agreement um dictates what is allowed and what's not and if i understood these the agents correctly that I talked to you, Statcast is not allowed. Uh, it's it's inadmissible in um, in arbitration hearings, and so a lot of them still have to go with traditional statistics because the arbitrators generally are not that well versed. They don't understand it. Yeah. And so you're you're trying to win. You know, you've got an hour for your first uh, discussion, and then the, then the team has an hour, and then the agent gets a thirty minute rebuttal, and the team gets a thirty minute rebuttal. So you come in with a very tight, like you've rehearsed it, you know exactly how much time you're going to spend making your comparisons to other players. And so I was asking about a, a pitcher and the, the pitcher's agent. I'm like, so what's one of the things that's not allowed? And he had just finished telling me like what makes his pitcher really good is his spin rate. I'm like, so what are some of the things that are not allowed? He's like, spin rate. <laughs> like, why? And he goes, well, it's because it's part of the stat casting. Like that has not been uh, in, in a collective bargaining agreement. They, have not allowed Statcast uh, to be used or to be admissible, and so huh. it's funny to me to see him say analytics because that's only going to get worse after the next CBA. Like you know, they're going to allow things like launch angle and exit velocity and spin rate like that. That's Can you imagine teams using against CBA. him? Of like, we taught him how to like this launch angle. It's the only reason he's good now. Like that's why he's getting paid is because we changed his swing and everything else. And we like Brandon Nemo is going up there and they're like, this guy sucked. Uh, your honor. He was not good. And then right. we, <laughs> right. We made him good, but, yeah. but why are we getting fun? Why are we yeah. in trouble? The numbers, the numbers are still, no, I, cause I asked that question. Like what happens when a guy goes to a team gets traded and then he's great. 
Mm-hmm. And does the team ever try to take credit for that and get a discount? And the guy goes, yeah, I mean, they would look really desperate if they did. They would be, they would look like they were grasping for straws as to why they don't want to pay. And the, the truth of the matter is like his production was his production. And, and the mm-hmm. arbit- arbitrators are generally pretty good about like lo- seeing past the, the um, bells and whistles and going, did he produce? Yes or no. If he you know, proved to me that he produced as well as these four players that you're comparing him to, if the numbers line up, then he should be paid as compared, you know, where those numbers are. So, so it was, is it just like Hawk really Nelson and Harold Reynolds serving as arbiters on all of these cases? Is that how it works? <laughs> no, like it's, it's like judges. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, so the judges are also the, they are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like MLB, the commissioner's office and the players union, like jointly decide on these guys, like they will interview them. And it's kind of like when you are in court and the prosecutor and the defendant will go through the potential jurors and they're like, okay, juror number 21 has his arms folded the whole time I talk. And when you talk, he leans in and he nods his head. So I want that guy out. They'll like collectively come in and interview these guys and come to an agreement. I'm like, okay, that guy seems fair. Hmm. And so they, it used to be, I guess, you know, decades ago, you'd come in and go, his ERA was the, and, and, you know, somebody would like take their glasses off and set them on the desk and be like, now, hang on a minute. What's this ERA you're talking about here? What does that mean? But the guys now, this, because they, both sides have sort of interviewed them, they make sure that they sort of know what they're talking about. They don't have to be well-versed in super advanced analytics, but as long as they know, like, here's what a win is, here's a save, here's a hold. So, I mean, you're not far off. Like when you, when you talk about Reynolds and, and Harrelson, like it is still very much that the old school stats are affecting people's paychecks, like wins, losses, strikeouts, walks. I mean, strikeouts and walks are still important, but yeah, wins, losses, RBIs, those are still, those are still king. Do you think Joe Simpson's allowed in the room when Juan Soto's up for arbitration? The what? Do you think Joe Simpson's allowed in the, uh, in the courtroom when uh, Juan Soto's up for his <laughs> first arbitration case? <laughs> Uh, Joe, Joe Simpson. He should not be allowed in a lot of places. <laughs> well, he's not anymore. Uh, he got replaced by Jeff Francoeur this season for the Bryce broadcast. Oh, really? Yes. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. He wasn't happy That's about good, it, by the way. Country. There's a good piece in the AJC uh, about it. He was not. Uh, he was not thrilled. I don't think it was a. You're retired. Like uh, it was not a uh, mutual decision, from what I could, what I could tell. Huh. But it turns out. Being well, bad at your job and hating young people uh, is not good for the game, and you don't get to just keep your job uh, long term just because you've been doing you know, it for a you while. Would, you would think that hating the fans would be a disqualifier, but there are still guys that uh... he hated warm up attire. <laughs> Do you remember that? That was just the dumbest thing. Uh, we, it was funny. We were in the in the clubhouse as that was all going down, and. Um, somebody asked Adrian Beltre about it and, and Beltre goes, okay, okay, okay. I heard about what happened <laughs> and somebody explained it to him and he didn't even like respond. He just like rolled his eyes, shook his head and turned around and walked back to his locker. He's like, come on, man, come on. <laughs> That's why they were tied his number dumbest. for that response. Oh, there's a lot of things that Adrian Beltre, like, can I tell you my favorite Adrian Beltre story? Oh, please. Okay. So, um, he was talking about how he does not enjoy or did not, I guess, and sad. We got to talk about this in past tense. Did not enjoy playing nine innings in spring training games. 
mm-hmm. never like from the time he's become kind of a veteran, like just doesn't enjoy doing it. And he goes, so there were two stories. The first one was, um, I'm trying to remember which one came with. Okay. So the first story was he's, he is, it's when Rod Washington is there and Wash goes, AB, we're going to have to have you, um, play nine innings today, man. I'm sorry. Like, we just got to have you do it. Uh, come on. Like, don't make me do this. So Beltre has done this thing for a long time where when he's taking a pitch, whether the pitch is inside, outside, up, down, straight across the plate, doesn't matter. If he's taking, he just yells outside as the pitch crosses the plate. It just, he's messing with the umps. They know he's messing with them. Everybody knows it. Like he's just done it forever. He's just being Adrian Beltre. So he, it's, uh, I think it's Paul Schreiber was the umpire. They're all walking out to the field and Schreiber goes, Hey, B, um, and then we got a minor league guy calling balls and strikes today. So if you don't mind, like he's, he's not used to it. Could you not yell outside when you're taking a pitch? And Beltre goes, Oh, this is going to be perfect. This is, this is perfect. So the first time up at the plate, up at the plate, he goes, you know, takes the first pitch outside. Schreiber at the, he Schreiber's at first base and kind of throws his arms. up. He's like, Hey man, what we talked about this. He goes, I, don't, I, I don't know what you're talking about. What, what did I do? Next pitch outside. Schreiber goes, A.B. Beltre goes, Paul, what did I do? I don't know what you're talking about. So he goes, somehow, made it through the first at bat. The second at bat, I come up, first pitch, I take, outside. And Schreiber goes, all right, that's enough. You do that one more time, you're out of here. Beltre throws his hands up. He's like, Paul, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Next next pitch, outside. Schreiber goes, that's it. You're out of here. He throws him out of the game. And Beltre goes, thank you. (laughs) <laughs> he's walking by. He's like, I've been trying to get someone out of the game all game long. Thank you. And Schreiber's coming out as he's leaving the field. So he goes, a couple years later, this is when Bannister's there. Same situation. Bannister's like, all right, you know, we're getting close to the regular season. I need you to go nine. Goes, oh, man. Like, oh, come on. So he goes up to um, Alan Porter and he goes, hey, Alan, like, uh, Benny told me that I got to play nine innings today. Can you throw me out of the game? And Porter goes, no, if I got to be here nine innings, you got to be here nine innings. I'm not throwing you out of the game. So the first pitch comes right across the plate. Porter calls a strike and Beltre turns around and unleashes a tirade of just the most like obscene swear words you can imagine. Like just rattles off three or four of the magic words and Porter just laughs and he's like, strike one for <laughs> the next pitch because <laughs> by another strike Belcher is like that's such a BS call you know t- multiple types of swear words and Porter's just like the catcher's laughing Porter's laughing he goes all game long I cussed him out all game long he refused to throw me I had to play all nine innings <laughs> so those those are my two favorite Adrian Beltre stories god baseball's not going to recover from no Adrian Beltre do you think he works in the Rangers front office at some point, or do you, like? Because it seems like that's a new yeah. thing that everyone, like Carlos Beltran's now an advisor to the Yankees. Someone else just got made like an yeah. advisor or something. You know, Brian McCann's going to get like I mean, a statue outside of the Braves' new stadium. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, the Rangers have Michael Young, Colby Lewis, and Darren Oliver. So like, yeah, Adrian Beltran. Colby Lewis. In fact, how old are we? <laughs> Is he already in the front I office? Know. Isn't he like twenty-seven? Colby Lewis? No, Colby Lewis is like. 40. No Maybe way. Colby Lewis, yeah. 40? Well, yeah, because he was old, older when he came back from Japan. I mean, yeah, he's been around true. forever. 
I think he was drafted in 02, maybe 01. God. What does that make Jabba Chamberlain? 63? <laughs> Jabba Chamberlain's been 63. Oh, so when, at, at Beltre's retirement press conference, somebody asked him if he wanted to be manager. He's like, no, I want Michael Young's job. And just like, just straight up said it. Yeah, he's like, I want Michael Young's job. That, that seems pretty easy. I want to do that. And then Michael Young's sitting right there. He's like, hey, I, how do you know? Like, it was great. That was the best retirement press conference ever because they were just going back and forth. And I was like, oh, how do you know? I woke up at the crack of 9 a.m. this morning. <laughs> so they, uh, they're fun. And can you imagine, like, working in a front office and have Michael Young and Adrian Beltre? It'd be fun. Like, I, I would want a job in that front office. Hey, I wouldn't rule it out. Um, that could be your uh, retirement after you ride off into the atla- the athletic sunset one day, twenty plus years from now. You can uh, join the Rangers front. Oh, office. Brandon McCarthy's there too. Brandon McCarthy's in that How? front office too. He like just they, finished they up three. I know he's like a, a pitching development advisor now. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, there's not room for me, man. Like, was it Mark Pryor, I'm not like an most... assistant GM or something in San Diego? What does he do? I feel like he's rising up the ranks somewhere. I, know, I think I think so. He's doing something. I don't know. All I, these pitchers who like, just did not have I, the careers we wanted to, like they're all popping up everywhere else. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, if they're intelligent, if they know how to, it beats being a coach. I'd take a job in the front office before I'd go be like a pitching coach in high A ball. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm, I was trying to look up where he is right now. Mark Pryor, the guy I, I've just been always way too invested in Mark Pryor since. Um, yeah. I, let's see. Where is he? He was then hired by the Los Angeles Dodgers as their bullpen coach for the 2018 season. Interesting. He was the minor okay. league pitching coordinator for the Padres for three seasons. So that's where we thought. Okay. Okay. Huh. Interesting. Um, I guess he's not with the Dodgers anymore, though. Um, hmm. Do not know. Wikipedia says he is, but... Yeah. Where's Kerry Wood? Is he, like, coaching up uh, Kyle Hendricks? Maybe that's why he's good. Kerry Wood's just been mysteriously hiding in the in the uh, the Ivy in Chicago. Question. That's a good question. He's hiding out there with uh, Andre Dawson doing Snickers commercials. I mean, at the bare um, minimum, I, I would assume. I would assume so. Last thing, and then we'll go, Levi. I've taken way too much of okay. time tonight. Um, free agent that is still out there that you are interested in and maybe a lot of people aren't interested in or maybe you they are, but you have a different take on it. Like, which free agent? I know they're about, let me check my notes. Yes, 4,000 uh, available players yes. in baseball um who makes the most sense for you that you're just like i want to see where this guy ends up i have five that i'm interested in um and i'll go in order of interest i want to see if edwin jackson plays for a team he's never played for before is that possible which he's up to like 13 or so now so okay. he's uh he was good I, last year for the always, a's yeah yeah much better than i expected him to be um I always enjoy watching Hunter Pence play, and I enjoy when Grant Brisby writes about Hunter Pence. So I mm, hope he comes your back. Your new colleague. And yeah, yeah, we got we got Grant. I was really surprised. Um, that was that was excellent news. Let's see, let's see. Uh, Peter Moylan because he's forty one and from Australia, and I think okay. that's interesting. Uh, Jake Diekman because I enjoy writing about Jake Diekman being like a wind weathered dragon from the Middle Ages. Uh, I hope he comes back. But my big, and not interested in like, I hope the Rangers sign him interested, but just fascinated to see if he actually pitches another year. And apparently he wants to, Bartolo Colon. Oh, God. Did you see that video of Hideo Nomo and what he looks like these days? 
No. God, Levi, you've got to be on baseball Twitter more, man. I'm going to have to send you this Dude. too. Hideo Nomo, I think Sun uh, yeah, Kim it. sent this out um, in Japan. He's like, he looks like Bartolo. It's insane. Hideo no. Nomo. Let me pull it. Let me no. see if I can pull it up. Oh, here it is. You see it? I just, I, oh my gosh. Hideo <laughs> Nomo. That's crazy. Yeah, man, I chase from like October through February. I do my best to just like disappear from baseball, which is not like I'll catch up this week and next week when I get to spring training. But like I need these months because ba- it's so like 10 to 12 hours a day doing baseball from February through October. Like I could tell you about shows that I've seen. I'll tell you about like TV shows that I've caught up on, books that I've read. But I, yeah, I missed a lot. You need to be like my curator for off season baseball stuff. Just like okay. once a week. Once just a week, you just something. Me, like, like I know you probably missed. missed this. You're having a normal life, but you yep. need to see this. Yep, you're you're like actually seeing your kids and you know hanging out with your friends. And but thankfully, you have me to... getting text alerts about what Chris Antonetti is saying dumb shit about his best players. So I'm just I'm ready yes. to go. Yes, be my like you know like. Do you remember? Let's see, how old are you? Do you remember when twenty seven? Uh, twenty seven. Okay, so you. You probably remember like when the music industry kind of crashed, like people stopped buying CDs mm-hmm. and the internet happened and then there was Napster and then like that eventually turned into Spotify. But there was this time when everybody, like a bunch of independent musicians were like, yes, the gatekeepers are gone and now my great indie band will finally be heard. And that's not what happened. Like what really happened was there were so many more bands than anybody thought. And all of a sudden people were like, I used to just listen to the radio and now I can't because Clear Channel sucks, and I have no idea what to listen to anymore. So I guess I'm just going to listen to my favorite bands for infinity. And then what started to happen was like you get these tastemakers, and whether that was like Bear versus Shark or you know some of the other blogs that became these sort of trusted sources for people to find good music on. And now that's sort of your Spotify like weekly playlist. Spotify like the algorithm tells you what you're going to like, but you get your like trusted sources. That's a long way of me saying, like, I just need you to be one of my trusted sources when I am taking a break from baseball. Okay. I can do it. it, That was the most long-winded compliment I think I've ever paid and very, like, windy road way to tell you. A lot of Uh, it might just be me um, being mad online about the Atlanta Braves saying dumb shit and pretending that they're actually going forward and not just trying to make a lot of money off um, the battery and um, everything there. and. But you're not alone. They brought like, I back feel like... Nick Markakis for one year, and um, like the All Star thing. It's like, oh, but what about in the second half of the season? He wasn't very good. What about that? Oh no, it's fine. Nick Markakis, everyday right fielder. What about Bryce Harper, a team that just won ninety games? What if right. you signed Bryce Harper? What if you did that and you had an outfield of Ronald I... Acuna and Bryce Harper for the next five years? What if you just did that? Yeah, that would be amazing. And they just got a new stadium, right? And yeah. Was that stadium one of the ones that got a lot of taxpayer money? Oh, there. That's a whole different podcast. But yes, it's uh Okay. <laughs> short answer, okay. It, uh, it's fucked up, uh, Levi. That's what we'll okay. say about that. Um, spoiler alert. So they can um, afford Bryce Harper, is what yeah. you're saying. Um, yeah. God. I just, I can't take it. Like, it's the Brian McCann stuff. They did a lot of member berries um this offseason of like remember brian mccann yep. let's put jeff francor in the broadcast with it's like all these different distractions um of the team not spending right. money coming off a 91 season it's just i wrote about this you can read it on chasemspodcast.com of like why the braves are not going to really contend um if you go back through just the long line of like the last well, 20 years I'm and i highly it. encourage you to do this huh okay there you are 
sorry, I lost you, and that would have been really a funny time for my phone to cut out, but I promise it was an accident. Me just ranting? (laughs) Where's Levi? Um, No. Uh, So basically, just the piece that I wrote on the Braves, and Braves Journal picked it up and all this stuff, so that was nice of them, but... um, I, I just outlined why this team is not going to really contend and why they can't. It's just they're not going to spend enough money. Like what the Braves did in the 90s, and you go through the payrolls, you look at what the Red Sox, Yankees, teams like even the Astros, they gradually increase to the top five in payroll. Like you have to do that. You eventually have to get in that top five or you're not going to really contend. Mm-hmm. Like this just a requirement. That's why the Braves won 14 pennants. It's not because they had all these guys. They kept them. Like that's part of it. They supplemented them with other names. Like they didn't just rest in their laurels and hope that they could get away with Yohan Camargo and Josh Donaldson on a one-year tryout and all this other nonsense. Josh. Like Josh Donaldson's going to play 162 games at third base. Get I, God, it's all I just I can't get over any of it. It's just a very awful offseason and the Braves are not going to spend enough to really contend. And that's why I banged the drum that the Phillies are coming. The Phillies are going to be yeah. the kings of this division. The Nationals, they prove that they are willing to spend. The Lerner family spends mm-hmm. money. Say what you will about how they handled the Dusty Baker stuff, which was a, a mess up on their part. But this team spends money. They've offered Bryce Harper. A, what was it like a crazy like seven year, eight year deal? Like they're willing to mm-hmm. sh- shell out a lot. It's just not to the extent that Bryce wants it right now. They draft right. well and they spend and they just spend on Patrick Corbin. They are going to keep going for it. We know that they're going to spend. We know that the Phillies are probably going to get at least Machado or Harper. Like these teams are going to spend money. We know that the Phillies have been in the top five in payroll. The Braves under Liberty Mutual are not going to get in that top five. It's not going to happen. And if yeah. they're not, they're not going to contend. I mean, Josh Donaldson is the signing that you make after Manny Machado signed right. elsewhere, right? Like, that's and and frankly, like if he's healthy, that he's probably a fine one year deal. Like he's probably going to be fine. He's not someone you but, pencil in as your everyday starter for a team that just won the division. You don't bank on Josh Donaldson right. in 2019, right? But then they're like, "Well, Austin Riley's yeah, waiting." You're not hitting on every prospect either. Ozzy Albie's may not be able to hit. Be, he may be like a platoon guy at this point. I mean, you can, okay, so from an outside perspective, though, you can forgive the Braves for thinking that you hit on every prospect after last year. Like, No, I, I will tell them, think. you don't do that. Teams, no matter how good of a scouting department development program you have, you're not going to hit on all these guys. I know, but I'm just, the, given the number of guys that came up last year, just seemingly out of nowhere, if you were not, like, following the Braves super close, and you're like, wait, another one? Like, this just this kid just comes up and throws, like, a near perfect game in his very first game. Great. So you've got another one. Fantastic. Way to go, Braves. So I can see where they might think, like, hey, these prospects are all going to be good. They didn't even sign a starter. Dallas Keuchel's just out there. They won't sign him. They need starting pitching. Are you going in Kevin Gausman, Cleo Tehran, Mike Fultonevich? Great. God. (laughs) I could Uh... keep going. I'm very read my piece, folks. If you have not already, okay. I make the case. I I stand by it. The Braves are pseudo contenders. They're going to do what the Pirates and Indians have done. It's not real. It's a facade. They're just trying to make money. It's all it is. They made a lot. If you look at what they bought the team versus what they just got uh, measured um, in terms of value, they've they've already won. They don't need to win a championship. They're in Colorado. They don't care. It's not how this works. They want to be sustainable. They want to make money. It's just. The, them winning the division with how much they spent on that roster last year, icing on the cake. Just get ready for them to start low-balling Ronald Acuna in a couple of years, and we see arbitration cases get ugly with um, maybe the potentially the best center fielder in baseball one day. Like, that's, that's yeah. in play. 
But uh, yeah, I don't know. It should be fun. Great. Excited. Love That's it. That's all depressing. Should we end on something positive? Sure. I mean, I got nothing. I'm just you know, <laughs> we should maybe try and come up with something positive. Hey, you know what? Uh, pitchers and catchers are Adrian Beltre like, is getting sport. his number retired. That's the positive. That's what we'll yes. end on. Yeah, June June 8th. That's We just found out today that the date's going to be June 8th. So, okay. yeah, that'll be fun. Do you have anything coming out this week on theathletic.com? Which, if you're not already a subscriber, what are you doing? Because you could read Levi every day. I might read him all season when he does the MLB power rankings and all that other good stuff. But oh, uh, do, you. You have, do you have anything coming out this week? Uh, I've got I've got one that might be ready this week. But, no, I mean, the thing when we talked about the, the – um, arbitration cases, the thing with the agents. I think that's going to be probably closer to a week and a half from now. I've got a uh, recap of the Rangers off season coming up on the 12th, which is the day the pitchers and catchers report. And then I'm going to try and squeeze in another one before then um, about why the Rangers should still try to sign Machado. You know who should sign Machado? Any team that wants to be better than they were a year ago. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, the Rangers are one team that I will say like, okay, you know what? You don't have to sign Bryce Harper because right now they've got Mazzara, Gallo, Calhoun, and Guzman, um, and and Shinsu too. Like they've already got too many left-handed corner guys. That so like there's just no place to put Bryce Harper unless you can find a way to trade both Chu and Calhoun. Um, yeah. So maybe they're the one team that shouldn't sign him. But yes, every other team should try to sign Manny Machado. God. They're still available. They're just Ow. sitting there. God. Levi, we weren't going to end on a negative note. Positive. I, know. I tried. I tried. We tried. But baseball, this is what the this is how this is accurate of how we look at this offseason and what it's turned into. It's depressing. They've got mm-hmm. to change it. I don't want to go into every offseason and just be like Nolan Arenado next year just sitting there for months. Do you think like, he's gonna oh. get an extension? Because I think if he hits the market, the the vibe that I get is that the Rangers will be way in on Nolan Arenado if he hits the okay. market. Okay, I can see that. He feels like a future Ranger. That makes sense. Well, I, I mean, I hope so. He's my I, he's he's one of my favorite players to watch. So I would mm-hmm. love to get a chance to cover him every day. But like, what if the Rockies wise up and go? Actually, here's thirty million dollars a year for the next five years. If what if they signed the him Rangers, and they also signed Bryce Harper to play first base? Well, then where's Ian Desmond going to play? Come I on. know. The worst first baseman in baseball last year. Where is he going to play? God, can you imagine Bryce Harper in Coors Field? Oh, my gosh. Why do you not do that? Uh, I don't... Do they have the payroll to do it? Like, they they overspent for, well, Desmond, at least, but... Wade Davis and all that other stuff they wasted money on helping out their bullpen and everything? Are they still paying Jeff Francis Mm -hmm. from 2005? Who's to say? Um... (laughs) No, it's ridiculous. They might, they Sign Bryce Harper. Put him in Coors Field. You want to fix baseball? Let Bryce Harper yeah. break Barry Bonds' home red record in Coors Field. That's how he fix it. Would Would Bryce Harper? Okay, let's 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 put out a hypothetical. Let's say that the the Rockies sign Harper, and they also announce that in 2020 there's going to be two new teams. We got one in Portland and one in Montreal. So you're already watering down pitching doing that. Harper's in Colorado with a watered-down uh, expansion league. Does he hit 100 home runs? At least. I mean, that's a, that's a really stupid question, but, like, I'm kind of serious. Would he hit 100 home runs in Coors Field? 
God, that'd be amazing. I mean, the record is definitely in play unless teams just pull a Bonds and just stop p- pitching to him. But Bonds managed to hit 74, so or 73. So yeah, like I think I think 75 is in reach. I don't. I won't go so far as to say 100 is in reach, but, but that would Who's be. Who's their GM? Dan O'Dowd. Is that right? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I know he's a frequent listener to the podcast. Not as uh, passionate as Bud Black, who I advocated as the next Braves general manager. Or manager oh, really? Um, last year. So um, I know you're listening, Bud. Um, go up the ladder. We got Jeff, Jeff Bridich is the uh, Rockies general manager. What does Dan O'Dowd do? Did he get elevated up like one of those weird executive, like, we're not going to fire you, you're just going to move you into a new role in the organization? Yeah, let's see. He's the, uh, was the general manager of the Rockies until 14. He's only 59. It says he is, wait, he was offered a contract extension, but declined the deal when he was not allowed to replace, uh, the director of MLB operations, the Rockies promoted Jeff British to general manager and Gavette resigned. Jeff British. For MLB Network, so yeah, British is your man. So All right, get, British, gotta get British on the line. Okay, <laughs> there we go. That's the positive note. Bryce Harper in Colorado, make it happen. It'd be fun. Baseball is fixed. Everything's good. We're all fine. Um, Levi Weaver, this is always fun, man. We should we should talk a lot this season. I think we have good natural chemistry. I think we could we can make this fun. We can make baseball fun again. I, I'll do my best. And actually, if it's during the season, I will know what I'm talking about. And I won't be just talking about like, oh, I finally caught up on Better Call Saul. So that's, mm. that would be probably more helpful to, to I need to do that. Doing. Yeah, I've not watched, I I watched really any of Better Call Saul, actually. We just started season one. Like, I'm four episodes in. Okay. So catch up is, is uh, I, was, I was exaggerating. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. <laughs> Levi, I appreciate it. Uh, Good luck in spring training. Don't have too much fun in Arizona. Eat some grapefruits. Uh, I'll or try actually so hard pick some cactuses. So it's cacti. It's, it's the cactus yeah. in Arizona, right? It makes more sense than grapefruit. It is. Um, it is. Yeah. All right, Levi. I appreciate it. Have a great rest of the All night right, and uh, talk soon. All right. See you. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I uh, just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts, or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, Be sure to check out chasethomaspodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Thomas. And like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support, and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.